Great, Brother Gastineau wasn't here, but uh, Brother Andrew did a great job. Yeah. Well, And this morning, I started actually Wednesday night, I guess, thinking about the cup of iniquity and what the Lord did for us on Calvary. And I, I know I have preached along these lines and really, to be very honest, I should take probably an entire Sunday and expand them just like I did on Wednesday night and expand each action of the Lord and I know I I got to just thinking about them and yet I realize that we are blessed as a church that has been uh, in existence for uh, over a hundred years that there have been great ministries and great lessons and uh, we have a lot of great Bible scholars and people that read the Bible through every year and, and have an understanding of the scapegoat in the Old Testament, have an understanding of uh, the Lord taking the cup and uh, have a, an understanding of what it means to be ransomed by God. And so I realized that I was covering areas uh, superficially almost. There are many, many more verses and I, I don't want you to think it's an exhaustive study by any means, but when you realize that uh, one of the things that the Lord did, not only did he drink the wrath so that we could empty ourselves out, not only did he take it upon himself to uh, ransom us, redeem us, not only did he uh, bring himself uh, to the point uh, that he would uh, be our scapegoat and not only what that means is our propitiation and expiation in other words to get rid of our sins uh, but he reconciled us and that's an important and I know some of these thoughts overlap if you will but when you think in terms of and that's a, a, a painting of the prodigal son and I've preached on that before but when you think of that story that the Lord told about the prodigal son coming back in the New Testament and referencing a truth that was written back in Isaiah 59th chapter where he says behold the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot say neither is ear heavy that it cannot bear but your iniquities have separated you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you and he will not hear with that thought in mind most of us have to recognize if it were not for the grace and mercy of God where would we be to be able to be reconciled to God and yet the New Testament Paul talked about this repeatedly whenever he would say things like God sent his love toward us or commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us much more than being now justified by his blood that we shall be saved from wrath through him what a privilege that we're saved from wrath for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his 
Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So what a privilege that we have feel the reconciliation or the coming back or the forgiving power of Almighty God. No matter what you've done, and I know the enemy likes to beat us up, and I realize that every one of us, our sins would reach the heavens. But when you come into the presence of the Lord, right now what we feel is the grace and the mercy and the kindness and the love of Almighty God. If I will humble my and come into his presence he is there with open arms ready to say Lord your sins are forgiven of course the point is as you say I have to humble myself Paul talked about this in Corinthians where it said if any man be in Christ he is a new creature Old things are passed away. All things become new. That's that ransom that I talked about. All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us, and this is an important thing, the ministry of reconciliation. Wow. Because we've been forgiven. <laughs> well, you don't know what they did to me and I'm not sure I can forgive well, because I've been forgiven, the Lord is able. <clears throat> I, I'm sorry, I just now saw the Maulers, and, and there was a great praise report. I was going to have Leslie do that. Uh, you want to say that? I'm sorry. I, this is just off the subject. but This is just amazing, and Pastor, it goes right along with what you're saying about reconciliation and renewing. Uh, Linda's nephew, Jerry, was suddenly diagnosed with liver cancer and told that he had just months to live. And this November, it will be 10 years that Wally and Linda's son, David, has been battling cancer. If I'm not mistaken, David has been to our church three times. And on the second time, the Lord filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And David came back the third time to give thanks when it was a year anniversary, if I'm not mistaken. It was a, a month. Yeah, okay, a couple months. And so David is still battling, and Linda is battling with him every day. She drives him to the clinic, and the long way back, David throws up and goes through what he's going through and asked his mom, Mom, are you tired of this? And she said, Son, I'm with you all the way. I'm, I'm going to stay there with you. And it was that David at 5.30 in the morning when he heard about Jerry going in for surgery to open him up to see how bad it was, got down on his knees and began to cry out to the Lord. 5.30 in the morning. Then he got on his exercise bike, and I'm quoting Linda verbatim, he started screaming to the Lord. He wasn't just, oh, Jesus, Jesus. He was crying out with a fervency, Coming asking God boldly to have mercy on his cousin, Jerry. I don't know if Jerry was a believer, if he had any knowledge of God, but David began to intercede for him. He went to the doctor. The surgeon said, I can't see any evidence of this liver tumor, but I'm going to look inside. And when they got in there, what they found was a gallstone the size of a ping pong ball. They removed it and thought they were going to have to do a resection. They, they took him back for gallbladder surgery. Took him back for gallbladder surgery. And they had to redo their duct. 
and they thought they were going to have to redo the duck, but you know what? The duck just went right back into place. Jerry came over to Linda's house and sat down at the island in her kitchen and started sobbing. She said tears were streaming down his cheeks and said, I could feel yours and David's prayers. I am a changed man. I believe this is the hour of signs and wonders and miracles. Not only is the blood flowing to wash away sin, but the Lord is standing up to whosoever will to bring healing and salvation. Oh, let's stand to our feet and praise him. Thank you, Jesus, for the work on Calvary. You're still doing it. The blood still works. Hallelujah. You may be seated. That's what this verse means. When it says, hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. If someone doesn't even, you know, I know if they say, well, I don't know God. But we are able by prayer to bring them into the throne room of Almighty God. Where God can forgive and minister and touch to wit God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation now we are therefore ambassadors for Christ that's why don't get upset if somebody comes to you and dumps their problems it is our privilege to be able to usher them in to the throne room of God we are ambassadors as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So, you know, the Lord does not demand that we be perfect as an ambassador of Christ. And yet, that's one of the works that happened on Calvary. Another one of Christ's completed works is justification or right standing. And I know it's hard to always feel like you're in right standing with God. But Paul wrote in Romans the third chapter, therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For the law is the knowledge of sin. What are you saying? That if you think that you can do enough to merit the Holy Ghost or to merit going to heaven, you can't. The deeds of the law won't get you there. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This is why it's important, you know, and I understand, you know, I'm, well, I've never murdered and I've never done this and I've never killed and I've never, well, I, I, and I realize we can all feel a little good about where we are until we get into the presence of the Lord. And then truly we've got to say, Lord, be merciful to me. And you say, well, I don't really need that, all that mercy. That's for the weak-minded and the foolish and the ignorant. And let me tell you, I, I, I can't, 
I can't last a day without the presence of the Lord. I can't last a half day without the presence of the Lord. And it's getting to the point where I can't hardly last 10 minutes without the presence of the Lord before I'll start feeling a little something and getting a little upset, feeling a little anxiety and fear and frustration. Huh? Yes. My cup will get full and faster than that. And so that's why it is that sense of, I have sinned, Lord, I need your help. And being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The, the redemption by, that is in Christ Jesus, there it goes back for that ransom whom God set forth to be a propitiation. There's that word. An expiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier. That's what he is, the justifier. What does that mean? That's more than, than just simply forgiving me, but putting me in right standing. I, I mean, you know, someone does something to hurt you, <laughs> make you mad. <laughs> it's amazing. You know, let, let, let's say, you know, I, I murder somebody. And imagine I go before the judge uh, of <laughs> the dad of the person I murdered. And imagine that judge say, okay, well, I forgive you. That would be a miracle. <laughs> but then imagine he says, not only do I forgive you, I'll let you move into my spare bedroom. I'll help take care of you. Whew. Put me in right standing with God. <laughs> I don't deserve that. I don't deserve to be justified. It's beyond imagination. That's why Paul would say it like this. Who can boast then? Who is able to boast or brag about how awesome I am? It's excluded. No, by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Later on, same chapter, in same book. He said, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who we, whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And then he goes through that list. Remember, we glory in tribulation because we know that tribulation works patience and patience works experience and experience works hope and hope makes us not ashamed and the love of God is spread abroad, shed abroad by the Holy Ghost. What are you saying? Because of Calvary, I can feel the cleansing of Almighty God and I can feel the right standing. It's not something that I brag about. Well, look look how holy I am. And I know people have said, oh, you just think you're better than anybody else. No, I, I know I'm not better than anybody else. The moment you start thinking you're better than anybody else is the moment you don't understand what justification is all about. It's not who I am. It's not what I've done. But it's because of the grace and mercy of Almighty God. Amazing grace 
grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It ought to lead me always to a moment when I can pray through and raise my hands and feel the presence of Almighty God. The moment I come with my shoulders square back and saying, God, you're just fortunate that I'm here. You're lucky if I want to give you a little bit, if I want to work for you a little bit, if I want to pray today, Lord, feel fortunate. No, I am so blessed. So blessed that I could give. So blessed that I could pray. So blessed that I could talk to the Lord. So blessed that I could be in his presence. Oh, oh well. You know, yeah, if I, I don't know if I'll feel like it. I may not come. I, you know, it's just, uh, you can have church anywhere you want. I, I, I just, I don't know if I want to. You've missed the whole point of what it means to be in right standing. Right standing with God means that I'm able to come with boldness. Just like, you know, here's a young man who's there in the north part near, near the Cleveland area. And he's crying out with God. God hears those prayers. It doesn't matter. Well, you've been to church three times here. Probably other times at his church there in the Cleveland area. But the point of it all is, oh God, in a moment I can come with boldness. Why? Because of his power to be the just and the justifier of those that believe. But of course going along with that is that whole sense of adoption. And I know that adoption is one of those things that when you look at a family. And there we have some folks that are here tonight. Shauna and Joseph and others that have been adopted. And it means, you know, uh, an amazing thing because their family chose them. And um, unfortunately, uh, I didn't get to choose whether I wanted Sheena or Caitlin. <laughs> I might. No, neither did they, they said. They didn't, they didn't get to choose either, so... You know, it's one of those things that when you adopt, you do get to choose. And I know, I get it, I understand. And yet, what's amazing about this is that as a child of God, we are born again and we get adopted. Wow, that's awesome. Because I know you say, well, pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying that we are, as John says, we are born of the Spirit, born again. Remember he told Nicodemus, you can read, you know, when Nicodemus said, I don't understand how you'd be born again. The flesh, you know, and the water, born of the water and of the Spirit. <clears throat> and I understand that's, uh, that's born again. Simon Peter wrote it, being born again, not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of God which lives and abides forever. But then Paul wrote in Galatians, we've already read the verses in Corinthians, but, or Colossians I think it was, but he says here that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God sent forth his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So when somebody says, well, 
I don't know if I need the Holy Ghost. I don't, I, it's part of the adoption process. It's part of the seal, the certificate that I belong to the Lord. And so you say, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm so glad I'm a child of God. That's true. I'm glad I'm a child of God. But I'm also thankful that I've been adopted by God. And when you think in terms of what does it mean and, you know, to have a mom and dad, most of the time children that are adopted uh, have not had a biological parent that was willing or able to care for them. And so when you think in terms of what does that do, you can read Philippians, the fourth chapter and the 19th verse. I didn't put them in there. But that means that God will provide. He will provide for me. You know what it means? It's a dad. How many real dads? If you've adopted somebody, I know biological fathers can end up being terrible. And, but if somebody loves you enough to say, I want this one, it means I'm going to provide for it. Not only does it mean I'm going to provide for them, I'm going to protect them. Not only that, but I'm going to encourage them. Not only that, but I'm going to comfort them whenever they're feeling bad. Not only that, of course, I'll discipline them a little bit. Say, oh, well, I don't want them to be mad at me. I don't, but you know, if I'm providing and protecting and encouraging and comforting, then occasionally I get to be disciplined. And the Lord said that. He that doesn't receive correction is like an illegitimate child. So what a privilege it is that at Calvary we received the Holy Ghost that was poured out was so that we could be adopted. Not only adopted, but when I preach, I use this slide actually before, that we are transformed by the presence of God by the blood of the Lamb. What are you talking about? John said it like this, Beloved, now are you the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what you shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I don't care. I'm sorry. You've come too late in my life. I, I'm I've lived too long and I've seen too many miracles. And I can tell you, God is able to make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. He is able to ransom you and he is able not only to pay back, but he's then able to transform you. You say, oh, I just can't seem to break my flesh habits. I can't seem to stop what I'm doing. I can't seem, it just doesn't, uh, you don't understand. I'm just bound. My family, well, I'm going to tell you, that's not what the Bible says. Don't let the devil sell you that lie. I know we're living in an hour in which nobody is at fault for anything they've done. I have A, B, C, D, E, F, G. It's actually spelled F-L-E-S-H. <laughs> and I can't help myself. I can't do anything about it. You don't understand. I was dropped on my head. You don't understand what happened to me. You don't understand. I didn't. It's not fair. I understand. I understand. That's the hour in which we're living. 
And that's what spirit is coming across about uh, um, uh, this world and the media. Well, you just can't help yourself. I'm here to tell you by this power of Almighty God, He is able to make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old thing, He's able to change your whole DNA. Oh, you say, but you don't know. I, I still battle my flesh. Great, I understand. I've got some of that too. You're going to battle it. And oh, I understand. If you've been uh, raised in an alcoholic home and you started drinking and you've been 40 years drunk, it's going to be harder to battle that than probably I have to fight. But let me tell you, everybody's got to battle their flesh. Paul wrote in Corinthians, and this is amazing because this was to the church that was super immature, remember? He wrote that thing about you are sanctified, cleansed. In 1 Corinthians, he opens it up by saying you're sanctified, and yet they were hating each other and mad at each other and fornicating and everything else. So he knew they were having problems. His second letter, he says, now this, the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom. But we all, with open face, that's why you come into his presence. You raise your hands. You turn your face. Oh, you say, I'm so ashamed. I feel like hiding my face. I understand. I've repented. I've hid my face. But at some time, when you get a hold of who Jesus is, you've got to just open your face up. Say, Lord, here I am, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord as I open myself up and just begin to feast in his presence. I am changed from this, my image, from this, changed into the image, the same image from glory to glory. How? By the Spirit of the Lord. The power of the Holy Ghost is able to transform you. Say, well, you don't understand. I come from a long line of people that our whole family was known for being mean. Well, be a new creature in Christ Jesus. Let the Lord transform you. Paul wrote to the Philippians from jail. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence we also look for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body. So we are changed now, and one of these days we're going to be totally changed. Yeah. That it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereable he is to subdue all things unto himself. What are you saying? I'm saying if you're having trouble with your flesh, your thoughts, your you name it, the Lord's able to give you power to subdue that. I, I, can't, I can't fight it. I just can't conquer it. I'm just at mad all the time. Bring it and lay it at the feet of the cross. His blood is able to transform you. Not only that, and I know my last one, my time is, is up and we're going to take communion one more time, pray with those that we're not able to be here this morning and be served. And there's a sanctification process. It's a washing, a cleansing, and we all know about that now. My hands are hurt sometimes. I've washed them so many times or gotten, uh, you know, stick this under here and 
And it, oh, Lord, it's not working now like it should. Rubbing my hands, rubbing my hands, and washing my hands. You know, I'd like to say one shower a day is enough. I don't need to wash my hands anymore. It's not enough. I got to keep everywhere I go, wash my hands. Sanctification. In 1 Corinthians, remember I told you that sanctification verse, he says, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, and yet he was writing to them about all the stuff that they were doing wrong, and yet he said they were sanctified, so the Lord cleanses us, and yet there's a process of cleansing that has to keep taking place. You know, I took a bath when I was nine years old. I don't know why I need to take another one. Oh, really? Well, praise the Lord. I know. Used to be a day when Saturday night they took a bath. That was when they got the wash tub out. <clears throat> Fortunately, we bathe a little more than that today. You know, I get it. I used to drink out of a water hose too. Thought it was all right. Didn't know it would kill me. Now I pay a couple bucks for a whole case of water. That's where I have to get my... Oh, I understand. Sanctification. I get it. <clears throat> Paul told the church, the Romans, for sin shall not have dominion over you. you allowing the enemy to draw you back into sin... I'm here to tell you that's not what God wants for your life. He wants to break every chain. He wants to get you virus free. I know, but we justify why we are and it's not. It's the way it is. Paul told the church in Thessalonica, Thessalonica he said, There furthermore, then we beseech you Brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ as you have received of us how you ought to walk to please God so you would abound more and more. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. For God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. And he goes on to say, yet increase more and more. So sometimes folks have wondered, well, you know, pastor, it just feels like all the time the Lord is finding something that I'm doing and I'm just tired of always being under the microscope and I'm not that bad. And I'm better than... You know what? This is what the Lord is doing. He's trying to sanctify us. He wants to purify us so that we can be like Him. We've had a lot of weddings, and I'm sure got a few more still on the books. <clears throat> Would be a travesty if the day of the wedding, the bride had to get down in her wedding dress in the mud and change a tire and stand in the rain, and we'd feel terrible. Here was her special dress, her special day. 
That's why most of them will come to church. And change here. Why? Because they don't want to get dirty. They don't want to eat anything. They don't want to spill any sauce. Jessica and Carter's wedding. My grandchildren were hungry. And I said, well, I'll bring them some nuggets. Well, whatever you do, don't bring sauce. It's like a little ranch, a little barbecue sauce. No sauce. Well, they're not the bride. It doesn't matter. If it was that important. Think about it. Huh? How much more for me to be sanctified? What is the Lord doing? Oh, at times I like sauce. I love barbecue sauce. I like ranch. Lord, I deserve a little barbecue sauce with my happy meal. The Lord says, you know what? You don't need to have sauce right now. The wedding's about to happen. Understand, sauce is my favorite. I brought it in and I had two girls, four sets, four eyes look at me and say, Where's the sauce? And I don't know if they've ever forgiven me for that, but I said, I passed the buck. I, I did. I, I didn't have the heart. I just said, they told me no sauce. I don't like these without sauce. If you're hungry enough. <laughs> oh, does it really matter how I act, how I look, what I do? Who's going to make it? The Lord's trying to cleanse me. I don't know. Bride. <laughs> hath made herself ready. So when the Lord starts dealing with you and says, hey, put that sauce down. Stop doing that. Don't do this. You need to say, Lord, I know what you're looking out for my good. You're trying to help keep me clean. You're trying to help me cleanse my mind cleanse my emotions cleanse my anger my frustration oh but you don't understand oh I get it we, we may go by McDonald's tonight we'll get sauce the wedding's not today but the day of the wedding it's a different story what do you say pastor I don't know when the trumpet will sound <laughs> but one thing I know is I want to be ready without a spot without a wrinkle and I want to stand in his presence and so when the Lord kind of corrects something in me I don't look at that as bad I say Lord you're getting me ready we're going to stand hallelujah <laughs> the ushers will pass through if you did not receive Communion would like to take it this evening. We're going to just thank the Lord for His blood.
Thank the Lord for his body. If you want to take it again, you're welcome. But mainly for those who were not here this morning, I know Abby up here wasn't, others, that we're able to say, Lord, I, I, I'm thankful for your blood, what your blood did for me. I'm thankful for the justification. I'm thankful for what he's done for me. If it were not for the Lord, I don't know where I would be. tell you something it's a privilege to have the Lord say hey you need to stop that you need to get a hold of that that means I'm a son you know there were kids I'm sure whatever day that was a few weeks ago on Saturday that ate happy meals and had sauce all day long but there were two grandchildren that were part of the bridal party. And they were had to not eat sauce. What are you saying? I'm saying, oh, whenever the Lord corrects something in me, it lets me know I am his child.